0: Our choir has just about uh, told you everything you need to hear uh, from uh, the scripture today. Uh, but I guess since I'm a Baptist pastor, I'm just going to preach a sermon anyway uh, because it's what what we do. Uh, we are going to share in a sermon entitled "Always a Bridesmaid," and that uh, sermon is inspired by a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. It is the first 13 verses, verses 1 through 13, and we will share in that reading now. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took... No oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But they replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you, don't, you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We all know how the saying goes, don't we? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. We can picture the one even who says it. Most of the time, it's actually not said in the context of a wedding. Instead, always the bridesmaid, never the bride is spoken about someone who always plays second fiddle, finishes in second place, lives in the shadow of Something else. In this saying, the the bridesmaid who is not the bride is a a pity worthy figure who deserves our sympathy. Now, of course, there are times and uh, places and situations when actually someone wishes to be the bride and is the bridesmaid. Therefore, I do want to acknowledge that for some, a phrase like this hits harder than it should. It makes us sadder than we would like it to be, and I don't intend to pick on that person. Because the saying is a cliche, and the biblical story is uh, merely a parable. But to be the bridesmaid and never the bride is to tune us into our sense of longing, longing. It's to help us to realize that, that there is something that's going to come that one does not know about yet, does not have yet. Within the cliché, the best bridesmaids are watching and waiting, like the bridesmaids in the story. They are prepared. And then there are the others. But what I hope we can see is what could be, what is, which is the call to prepare for the bridegroom to come. Because what this parable is speaking about, of course, is the kingdom of God, and that we are all subject to the bridegroom's arrival, whether we are ready or not. Now, as we get to the end of the Gospels, Matthew 25 is towards the end of Matthew's Gospel, and as we get to the end of the church year, most of you will know that the church year starts over on the first Sunday of Advent, which is a mere three weeks away. As we get to the end of the year, it becomes, well, the urgency of seeing Jesus who will come again in a more eternal way, comes into focus. The foreshadowing of the Christ who comes, the Messiah who comes, comes into focus. Jesus is not going to be on earth in his earthly body forever. His disciples don't quite know it yet, but that's what he is telling them. But his life is going to have an impact beyond just the life of his disciples earthly walking with his disciples. And so we hear echoes in these parables that he will come again. So when we read about bridesmaids, we hear the foreshadowing that things are going to change. And how ready will you be is the core question in this parable. How ready will you be when it is time For Jesus to show up. Will you be ready or will you be surprised? Now, as we consider the bridesmaids who were left out of the wedding banquet. Who were not ready for the bridegroom. You picture someone who is careless. Maybe you picture... One of those bridesmaids from that movie, Bridesmaids, who was not ready for anything that represented a groom coming. We think about those bridesmaids who are careless, who are not ready, who are ill-prepared, who are wasteful and thoughtless and, and maybe even pessimistic. And maybe even didn't really think that the bridegroom was going to come anyway. So what was the point in preparing? That's not exactly how these bridesmaids are characterized in the scripture, but I do think that's how many of us live our lives if we are a bridesmaid like this. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter if I'm prepared anyway. And so, you know... Whatever. And then the bridegroom arrives. Jesus shows up somehow in a way you were not ready or prepared for, and you are deeply, deeply surprised. This is an expansion on those five bridesmaids who were not ready in the passage, but it is a reality that we all face. There are many among us who might not be prepared. But there are the bridesmaids who are the exemplars in this story. They're the ones that we are called to be like. They kept their lamps trimmed and burning, right? They were ready. They, they were ready because they believed that something would happen beyond simply being left a bridesmaid. If you believe you are going to be more than a bridesmaid, you prepare to be more than a bridesmaid. So they did their part to make it happen. They cultivated the necessary spirit and posture. They brought extra oil with them to prepare for the bridegroom's arrival. And when the bridegroom arrived, their personal affairs were in order so that they could follow the instant he came calling. They knew they were a bridesmaid, but they knew that in being a bridesmaid that the bridegroom would come. And so no matter how long it took, they wanted to be ready. And after they had fallen asleep, they knew our time just hadn't come yet. So they waited with anticipation. People who do this see the world with hope and possibility. They see the world glass full because they realize that their current situation can at any point open up and create a new way forward. And so they are always getting ready for what is next because God's people are always getting ready For what is next? They set themselves up to be surprised, but pleased when the bridegroom comes. They set themselves up to not miss out. And are we setting ourselves up in such a way that when Jesus shows up, that we will be able to see him and join him in whatever he's doing, wherever he might lead us? I think that is the point of the parable. It exists to implore us, all of us, who are always bridesmaids, not to lament our situation as a bridesmaid, not to be careless and hasty and wasteful with the opportunities that we have, but to embrace the reality that as his bridesmaids, the bridegroom will come. Now is the time to get ready. And so though it may be simplistic, we ask, what does it mean to get ready? How does one get ready for the bridegroom to come? I think the answer is simple. I think it's that we live a faithful Christian life. If we're going to prepare to receive Jesus unto ourselves, and he wants us to be received by him, then we get ready for this to happen We get ready for it to happen the way Scripture tells us to. So that whatever happens, whenever Christ comes in full, be it at the end of the Scripture, at the end of our lives, or at the end of a Tim LaHaye novel, a good bridesmaid is ready to become a disciple. And there's many ways to live your life as a disciple, but the root word of disciple is the same as the root word for discipline. And so what does it mean to keep your lamps trimmed and burning? It has very little to do with something like a candle that stands between us. But it has everything to do with engaging in Christian practices that help us be shaped, informed, and aware, and ready to see the bridegroom when he comes. And so take four simple things. Worship. Worship. If you want to prepare for the bridegroom, you come to worship. Now, thankfully, you are here. You are preparing for the bridegroom to come. When we gather in this space, the words that we say, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we offer, and hopefully the sermon that is shared is shared in such a way to bring us closer to God, who is the bridegroom who will come despite the countless ways you can experience God's love and presence outside of these walls in your regular day, there is something important about gathering for worship. And so let me even give you permission for this. Even if showing up for worship is not really your thing, it's important to take an hour and set it aside and let it be an hour where someone else is in control. And not just you. So if that means you come and you sit and you rest and it's the first time you stop all week, at least you stop in the Lord's house. We gather for worship because we believe this is where God shows up. This is how we prepare for the bridegroom. Second step is to engage in prayer and personal study. The disciplines of prayer and studying scripture for yourself are important. They're formative. And you don't need to be a monk living in a monastery to do it. Start with just sitting. Take five minutes. Move the distractions away from you. Sit and think and ask God what prayer would mean. Start with five minutes. Maybe someday it'll grow into something longer than that. But start with prayer and open up your Bible and read. There's no other book in the history of the world through which God is more readily available than our scriptures. Third is fellowship. Oh, we joke about Baptists being good at fellowship and where two or more gathered a casserole is with us. But the reality is, Christian fellowship is important. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. The way we make Christians is by sharing life together and sharing stories. They say Christians are not born, they are made. Because none of us were born Christian. We were born to Christian families maybe. But we chose to be faithful because God reached in and and changed our hearts. It's so We see that we came to that love of God by someone else sharing with us. So, fellowship. And fellowship is not just gossiping in the halls or preparing for social events. It's a word we use to describe a shared life with one another. If you want to recognize the Lord, the bridegroom coming to you, spend time with other people who are preparing in the same way. Engage in fellowship. Fellowship. And finally, service. Service. Serve someone. There's no, I know no better way to experience the goodness of God than through connecting with others through service. In the same way that those beatitudes from Matthew earlier in the gospel work sort of counterintuitively, so too does service. We're We're reminded of this in that prayer of Saint Francis. You may not have been able to say it was his prayer, but you know those words, that it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. It's not that some exchange happens, that by serving someone, God pays you something, but rather it's in giving yourself to another that you see how much God has given to you also. If you want to prepare your heart for the Lord to come, make it part of your life to provide service to another. Worship, prayer, fellowship, and service. That's how you keep your lamp trimmed and burning. That's how you be one of those bridesmaids who becomes the bride of Christ. That's how faithful people Become Jesus' disciples. Ten bridesmaids were waiting for the bridegroom to come. Some were pessimistic. Some didn't believe anything would change. Some believed that if he didn't show up already, he probably wasn't ever going to get here. And they were surprised when the Lord came. They were not prepared. They saw themselves as always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But that is not who we want to be. The reality is we are all bridesmaids, but we're in being bridesmaids called to be ready and waiting, to keep our lamps trimmed and burning, and the way we do this is to be disciplined disciples. The way to do this is to engage spiritual practices that cultivate our readiness. And when we do this, we prepare ourselves for the bridegroom to come. And I trust that we will see the ways that the bridegroom has both already come and through our preparation will ready us for when he comes again to take us to himself. Will you pray with me? Loving God, is it is a peculiar thing to cultivate our readiness for you to come. It's something we don't often really want to think of, and often in this place and in these times we think about the ways that we could live better so we can experience you now. So open our hearts and our minds to the ways that we can see you coming to us, both now as a foretaste of what is to come, ultimately. Lord, give us glimpses into that eternal life, into your eternal kingdom. And Lord, through the the practices that we engage in to help us become your disciplined disciples, help us to see you now on earth as we will see you more fully in heaven in the life to come. Lord, this is a simple message, but that doesn't make it easy. It's one we can grasp, but help us to understand it. Lord, it is one we can take notes about, but help us to truly embrace it so that we might be the bridesmaids who are ready for you to come, whether it be today, tomorrow, or at the end of our day. This, O Lord, is our prayer as your gathered people in the church today. And we offer it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.